Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Well, we're continuing with our uh, series this morning, Me and dot, dot, dot. If you haven't been here over the past few weeks, you can always go back and listen to any of the messages. We have a podcast called Primera Podcast, uh, where you can catch any missed message on your way to wherever you're going. And, um, you know, the, I, I realize that this is kind of a, it's kind of more of a teaching type series more than, more than anything else. That's, that, that's what this type of series is. Every now and then I like to bring a teaching series. Um, but when we're in a teaching series, I, you kind of notice that the, that the sermons are a little less like, like crazy. Like, uh, you know, I, I love the fire sermons, you know, los mensajes de fuego, right? It just sounds more spiritual in Spanish. Uh, where I can get down and I can get loud. And, and you know, Pentecostals, we, we love those fire sermons, man. But teaching series, um, it, they're a little bit different because, you know, it, it teaches us how to apply the word practically. And, and that's what this series is. We're going through real life uh, examples, real relationships, and we're trying to learn how to apply the scriptures to our uh, lives practically, right? Um, I know sometimes you, you hear a message, a fire, right? of like faith and you get, you're getting crunk in the service and you're like, yes. And you're pumped up and you leave and it's amazing. But sometimes you're like, wait, but how do I, how do I apply that to my situation? You know, um, it, it sounded good in there, but, but how do I do it for, for, for this unique situation? And so my hope is that you're enjoying, uh, this, this series. I realized also the other day that, you know, if you look through the word, and, and through Jesus, he does a lot more teaching than he actually does preaching. So every now and then, I like to do the same. And as promised, the title of my message today is Me and My Boo. Me and My Boo. I hope your boo is with you here this morning. Y'all can hold hands as y'all listen to the message, right? And if you don't have a boo here, you just have a crush, uh, just be mindful that your parents are probably here. So uh, probably don't want to do that. But we're talking about relationships. This whole series is a, is a relationship series. And, and today we're talking about our relationship with our significant other. And if you don't have one yet, uh, you should still pay attention because I can't guarantee you that I'm going to preach this message again when you do have one. Right. So, and it's always, it's always better to go into a relationship, you know, before you have one with certain standards of what you want that relationship to look like. Uh, last week, our, our youth group, they did their annual chocolate-covered strawberries. I hope you guys got some. They were delicious. They were awesome. I only had like two out of the dozen that I ordered. Um, Melissa was like, oh, you bought some? I was like, yeah, for me. You, know? <laughs> Where, you didn't buy any for me. You know? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I, uh, I also like the, the, the rose you know, that you guys offer, you know, that you, we could purchase a rose to go with the order. That was a nice touch. And I, I bought one for Melissa and, and I gave one to Layla as well. And I, on the card to Layla, I, I wrote, always demand the best for yourself. Um, because when that tragic day comes, when she begins dating, uh, I want her to expect the best uh, for herself from those little punks or men. Right. Uh, so, you know. Take, take this message, uh, if you're not there yet, uh, in a relationship as preparation for, the, for when that day comes. You know, there is a godly way to be married. There's an ungodly way to be married. There is a godly way 
to be in a relationship. And, and it seems appropriate to start the, the message this morning with Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. This is a passage that you'll probably never hear recited in your woman's class. But it's like the staple passage of every men's group. Because it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Um, Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And all the men said, amen. But then there's this other part of the passage, which is equally important. And without it, who are we to demand submission? It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And get this, gave himself up for her. Gave up watching the game. Gave up that that wanting to go to where I wanted to go eat. Even though she told me she didn't know where she wanted to go eat. But really she did. <laughs> Even though <laughs> that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Amen. Praise God. Let's, let, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God, that you have given to your servant this morning. And I pray, Father God, as I preach it, Lord, that everything just come, uh, that comes out of my mouth be from, from you, Father God. And I pray that this falls on fertile ground. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at the story of Abram and Sarah. And it's kind of a long story, uh, so we can't read all of it, but, but we can kind of summarize it a little bit. And I do want to read from chapter 12, verse 1, um, verse 1 through 5. And you're probably familiar with this. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran and Abram took Sarah, Sarai, his wife, And Lot, his brother, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Um, When Melissa and I started dating, you know, we dated for like eight years. So I was pretty certain when we were going to get married, it was going to be the the smoothest transition um, from, you know, relationship to marriage. Um, Because, again, we had known each other. For, for such a long time prior to getting married, there was really nothing else that I could learn about her, you know, nothing else uh, she could learn about me. Uh, and in fact, in honor of Valentine's Day, I, I found this, this gem that I shared. <laughs> I shared uh, earlier this week that those are your pastors. That was, that was 2005 glamour shots. I specifically remember telling Melissa, I don't want to take I don't want to take star shots because star shots are always cheesy really showed them with this one, right? <laughs> you know how hard it was, you know, to find a matching sweater for your girlfriend's socks? 
Don't tell me God don't do miracles, man. I found it. <laughs> it was so, that's funny, man. Posing us like we're brother and sisters. But uh, those are your pastors now. Uh, all right, you, you, can, you can go away from that now. But before getting married, there was nothing that I didn't know already about my wife and nothing that she, she didn't know about me. So I was confident going into our marriage. And then I heard someone say, don't assume that just because you've been married or you've been dating for such a long time um, means you're ready to marry them. And so that scared me a little bit. And, and so I made sure to have some conversations with Melissa, some of those bigger conversations, uh, conversations regarding our finances, um, regarding our, our dreams and our ambitions. And where do you want to be in five or 10 years? Where do I want to be? Because, you know, balance is usually a pretty good indicator um, to whether or not you're ready to, to marry someone. Because if we had had a conversation where I expressed my desire for children and she had expressed her desire not to have children, that would have probably been a deal breaker because there was no balance there. Um, or if I was adamant about leaving Houston and she was adamant about staying in Houston, um, that might've been a deal breaker. And so you want to have as much balance as you can in your relationship concerning the things that matter most to you. And in a godly household, both, someone say both, both the husband and the wife should be able to hear from God. Now, in some cases it might take one person longer than the other to hear from God. That might be due to the extent of, of, of how tuned you are with God. We talked about that uh, last week, being in tune on behalf of our family. But God is never going to give the man a word and then give the woman a word that contradicts the word that he gave to the man. And, and what happens many times, you know, sometimes God will, spe- uh, he will speak specifically to to one, to either the husband or the wife. And, you know, sometimes that happens, but, but, but if I tell Melissa, babe, God spoke to me. If I tell her, if I go in the room and I say, God told me something, she trusts me enough as a man of God to know that if I'm saying God spoke to me, it's because God spoke to me and she's going to listen. Likewise, if she comes into the room and she says, babe, God is showing me something. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen because we don't take that phrase. God told me lightly. And if we say it, it's because God said it. And so we're, we're going to listen to each other on what God told the other. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful to work on our own spiritual lives, and if you're single right now, this is the moment where you are work, you are to be working on your spiritual self. You want to make sure that you are in tune with God because if we're not careful to nurture our own relationship with God, what ends up happening in many marriages is that there becomes a spiritual imbalance in the home. And remember, balance is what you want, not imbalance. Imbalance happens when, when God speaks to one, but the other one doesn't want to put their faith behind what God said to the other one. Or when God speaks to one, but the other one kind of gets mad or kind of gets jealous. Or God speaks to one, but the other one doesn't understand it. So he's not going to get behind what he doesn't understand. And so if God says go to the husband or to the wife, you might be ready to go. But the other one is like, hold on. Let's, let's talk about this. And what that creates is a very dangerous imbalance in your home and in your marriage. You following? 
I think about Mary and Joseph, and we talked about Mary and Joseph last week as parents. Let's talk about them real quick as a couple. If you remember, uh, God spoke to Mary first, right? God spoke. She got the word first uh, concerning what was about to happen. She was going to give birth to a son. She was going to, to name him Jesus, and he was going to save and redeem the whole world. She heard it first. And during that, that time where Joseph hadn't heard it, he was kind of freaking out a little bit. Because it took him a minute to get the word. And the Bible talks about Joseph being ready to, to, to end things with, with Mary. He was going to divorce her. He was going to do it quietly because he was a godly, righteous man. But he was going to do it nonetheless because he was like, well, you, you got pregnant. I mean, I, I didn't get you pregnant. What's going on? But then Joseph gets a revelation. And let me tell you something, man. If Joseph hadn't been in tune with God, had he not been that righteous a God-fearing, honoring man that the Bible says that he was, he would have left Mary and he would have also left behind the blessing that God had in store for his family. And I wonder how many of us, church, have been leaving behind pieces of our blessings because we have created an imbalance in our marriage by not being in tune spiritually. And there, there's three spiritual balances that I want to talk about uh, just real quickly. Uh, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to to write these down, each of these are, are, are crucial to your relationship. The first one is balanced submission. Balanced submission. Abram received the word from God. And it's a big word. That's a, that's a big word. Have you ever gotten a big word from God? Like a, a word that's like, what do I do with this? The biggest word that I ever got from God was when, when he said, all right, Ryan, you're my next pastor. You're next in line. And I was like, I wasn't even in line. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was so overwhelming in my life that I couldn't deny it. And I remember going into the room where, where uh, Melissa was. She was putting on her makeup. I, I, I'm probably never going to forget this. And I, I went in there and I told her what God had said. And I felt so strongly about it that I had to submit to it. And I wonder how the conversation went between Abram and his wife. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm, I'm curious. Like, I wonder if it was like, pack your things, woman. We're, we're going. We're leaving. God said. Or if it was like, <clears throat> uh, uh, babe, yeah. can I talk to you real quick? <laughs> I wonder how it was. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it, what it does say is that they went. They both submitted. And so... I want to make this important point. Look, neither Abram nor Sarah knew where they were going. They didn't know. They didn't know how it was going to look. Just like Joseph and Mary, they weren't really sure how this was all going to work, what it was going to look like. It was an act of faith. But when a husband and his wife can have faith together, it makes things more exciting. It makes things less lonely. And it makes things more productive. And we'll talk about that in in a second. But, but what if, what if Abram's wife had said, I'm not going, I'm not going with you. I don't, I don't know who this, this God is. He, he didn't even tell you exactly where you were going. He said, I want you to leave and go to where I will show you. Who, what, what is that? He didn't tell you how you were going to get there. He didn't tell you how long the journey was going to take. Do you even have an address, Abram? Like, what, what, what are we, what are we doing? Here, all Abram had to go off of was the fact that God had told him to go. 
He couldn't provide a reason to his wife. He couldn't provide anything else to his wife, anything that would make her feel sure and secure. There was no direction. There was no clear timeline, nothing. All he had was obedience and submission. And let me tell you, when submission is required by both the man and the woman, but only one is willing to submit, you're going to get division in the household. It's going to happen. So real quick, going back to the, the first passage that we read in Ephesians, Sarah submitted to her husband. She trusted her husband. She honored her husband just as Abram was doing the exact same thing with God. He had to submit to God. He had to trust in God. She honored her husband just as Abram was doing the same thing to God. But, but Sarah would have never followed Abram had Abram not proved his love to her, right? Had he not treated his wife the way that a wife is to be treated? Had Abram not shown her, you know, love and allowed her to feel safe, you think that she would have wanted to leave her home with him? No one is going to follow someone into uncertainty unless there's love there and, and trust. So, Men, don't expect that your wife is going to submit to you when you haven't given her a reason to. I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of men talking like that. Well, the Bible says she needs to submit. And they always forget the next part. Are you, treating your, are you treating your wife the way that Christ has treated the church? Are you willing to give up yourself for her? Oh, that's in the Bible? <laughs> well, that is... They ought to feel loved. They ought to feel safe. They, they need to, to know that you're ready to put them first, just like Christ put us first. They need to feel like they can trust you because if they can trust you, then submission will naturally follow. And so she trusted in her husband enough who was trusting in God enough to go in faith. So marriage needs to be balanced submission. My next point here. A marriage also needs balance, patience. Patience. Not the type of patience that's required to deal with your kids or even with each other. Because I know that takes a lot of patience. That's a, that's a whole other sermon right there. But we're talking about the type of patience required to wait on God when the promise for your family is taking a little bit, when it's taking a while. See, Sarah knew that there was a promise there. Do you have a, fa- do you have a, a, a promise over your life? Over your family's life? Is there something there that you're waiting for? Is there something that you've been praying for for so many years? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's a house. I don't know. But is there a promise that you're holding on to? There was a promise here in this family. And she didn't know the details yet because God rarely ever gives us the details. Rather, we just kind of find the details as we go along in our faith. But she knew that God had promised to make her husband a great nation. And that she would have many descendants. So she knew but she failed to have the patience to wait. So she has this great idea to take matters into her own hands. I want to read chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. It says this. It says, now, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. 
And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Did y'all get that? Whenever you get to a point in your life or or anything where, where you have to ask yourself, where you say, hey, hey, maybe this is God. You also have to consider the possibility that, hey, maybe this isn't God. Whenever you're kind of questioning, like, maybe, maybe this is God. Maybe it isn't. Right? And, and perhaps a little bit more patience is needed. Here in this passage, Abram and Sarah both dropped the ball. Because Abram, as, as the man to whom the promise was given, he should have said, nah, babe, let, let's, let's wait a little bit longer. I, I'm not sure that it's going to happen this way. God said it was going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be in his time. And maybe, maybe we should just let him deal with it. That's what he should have done. This doesn't feel right. Just like if you remember the story of David, who had the opportunity to take the life of, of King Saul, when, when King Saul was trying to kill David, there's this part where uh, King Saul enters this cave and he's using the restroom there. And, and that's where David is hiding. And, and right there, David has his moment. David could just take the life of King Saul, take matters into his own hands. He already knew that the promise was there. He was going to be the next king. So he's saying, well, maybe this is God. But then he said, maybe it isn't. Maybe this is just my emotions getting the best of me. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe if I just trust God to fulfill his promise, his way, everything is going to be okay. But we don't do that all the time, church. Especially in our marriages, man, because the thing is, man, married couples, a lot of times, we're a great team. Anyone have a great team in your household? Husband's wife? You got a great team? You're just like, sometimes you're just on it. You're vibing. Everything's good. Making decisions together. We're parenting together. We're, you know, we, we say the same things, you know. We, we, we spank them at the same time, and everything's so good. And we're just on the side of us, and we feel so connected. And so when someone has a dumb idea, we go with it because we're a team. It's like on, <laughs> it's like on Family Feud, man. It's on Family Feud. The, the one that gets me the most is the... Uh, uh, give me a give me a, a man's name that starts with the letter H, and the guy's like Jose. And then and then everyone else in the family's like, good answer, good. That's, wow, that's great. How's, yeah, you're not dumb at all, you know. That's what we do sometimes in our marriage because everything is so good and we're, and we're a team. And you know, we, just because we're on the same team doesn't mean we can't call each other out sometimes. And a lot of times in our marriage, everything is going to be great, man. And, and you're going to be in agreement together. But sometimes what you're in agreement about is contrary to what God has promised for your family. And so maybe God said to you, your family is going to be out of debt. Praise God. No more student loans. No more credit card debt. No more car payments. And then you go to the car dealership. And you're like, babe, we need this car. <laughs> and you justify it. Our family is growing. It's got three rows. It's, it's rated the safest SUV in America. God would want us to have this car. <laughs> Babe, I think you're right. You remember Adam and Eve, so in love, agreeing to disobey God together? 
That's why you need good spiritual balance. Because when one is a little bit off, and sometimes we're off, sometimes we're not having a good day, sometimes we're, we're a little more emotional than, than spiritual, but that's why we need good balance. That's why we need the other one to be saying, hey, um, maybe we should wait a little bit. Maybe this isn't God. Maybe we're going about this the wrong way. Let's wait on God a little bit longer. See, it's hard enough to have patience when it comes to God on our own, man. We need to be the type of partner to encourage patience, not take it away. And my last point. So balanced submission, balanced patience. The last one is balanced faith. Balanced faith. And this last point comes from Genesis 17 and 18. We won't read it, but I'll kind of summarize it. There's messengers of God who are sent to, uh, to give word to Abram and, and his wife, Sarah, that they're going to have, they're going to bear children. The angel says, hey, this time next year, your wife, Sarah, she's going she's gonna to give birth to a son. And the Bible says that when each of them received this word, they laughed at it. Have you ever gotten a word from God that you laughed at? Oh, yeah, right, God. And they laughed at it because it was, it was kind of weird. Because it's not the norm. Sarah was 90 years old. Abram was 100 years old. And, and to think that a 90-year-old woman was going to conceive and give birth and survive was kind of funny. And so they kind of like, it was kind of like, yeah, good one, God, you know. But then they quickly realized that God wasn't playing games. God was serious. And so if there was a moment of disbelief in Abram and and Sarah, it didn't last that long. Because at this point, they've learned to trust in God. They've learned to have patience, maybe not all the time, but for the most part. And they've learned to believe that whatever God said was going to happen is going to happen. And so it was important for them to have this balanced faith. Because a lot of times, church, we receive promises, we, we receive blessings, we receive a word that we're going to go a certain place, we're going we're gonna to achieve this destiny, and sometimes we abandon it because of a lack of faith. We abandon promises made to us by God himself because we lack the faith to get there. And that abandonment might it might begin with a lack of patience, right? Like, I don't want to wait for it. It's been such a long time. It's been years. It hasn't come. But you kind of push through and, and you hear those messages of, of just keep on going and perseverance. And you're like, okay, I'm going to have the patience. And then you continue having patience and it still doesn't happen. And now it doesn't shatter your patience. Now it shatters your faith. And so you give it up and you think, well, maybe this isn't God at all. Maybe I just psyched myself out. Maybe, maybe the person who gave me the word was just prophesying over my life. Maybe this wasn't God. But in a marriage, just like the other two points, you've got you've to do faith together, church. You have got to do faith in your home together. Because a promise that is designated for two people operating on the faith of one person is unproductive. It's unproductive. If one of you believes that God can restore your marriage and you're willing to put everything behind it, but the other one doesn't really think that God can do anything, the other one's already counting it over, it's going to be very, very hard to get there. 
If you believe that that God is going to make a way for your family through your uncertainty and through your doubt and and, and with your kids, but your spouse doesn't share the same faith, it's going to be lonely for you because you're going to be the one up at night praying while your husband or while your spouse is is asleep. And it's going to be lonely and and you're not going to have anyone to to talk to. And when you want to talk to your spouse, they're going to say, well, maybe this isn't God. Maybe you shouldn't have the faith. Because a promise that is designated for two people requires the faith of two people. And if God has a promise for your family, which I believe that he does, I believe that God is very much involved in 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 the well-being of your family and uh, for your future and for your children. And only only one of you is putting in that faith work. It's going to be so unproductive to get there. You know why? Because one of you is going to be carrying all the dead weight. One of you is going to be trying to go into the promised land, but, but, but you're going so slow because you've got to carry your whole family with you who's not even believing. You're going to miss up opportunities. You're going to pass up blessings because you're going slow. And sometimes you're going to have to go back because you're going to try to motivate your spouse who isn't motivated. And so they're not going to have any faith to, to continue going. And, and eventually what's going to happen is that in that faith imbalance might affect even you, that you abandon the promise God had for your family, not because you didn't submit to it, not because you didn't have the patience to wait for it, not because you didn't have the faith behind it, but because the workload was too heavy for one person when it was designated for two. I don't know what kind of spiritual imbalance exists in your home. I don't know if you share equal faith. I don't know if it's one over, over another. I don't know how, how the spiritual patience looks like or the submission. And when God says go, you're ready to submit, but the other one isn't. I don't know how that looks. But if there's one question that I can just get you to pursue and answer Prior to getting married. And maybe you're already married. You're like, man, what do I do now? (laughs) But this is the one thing that is so important. More than any, more than, more than how many kids do you want? More than do you like puppies? More than, more than, uh, should we have a joint checking account? The most important thing, question should be, are you willing to carry the spiritual weight with me? Are we in this together? Do you love God the way that I love God? Because I'm willing to put God right in between us, but I need you to do it too. Because if you're not willing to, it's going to be a hard fight. Because I'm usually going to go with the side of God. I'm I'm usually going to put my weight behind what God says. I'm usually going to put my faith there. I'm usually going to spend my nights praying for my family. I'm usually going to call out to God in the most hopeless circumstances. I need to know if I have a teammate on my team. I need to know that I'm not carrying all the workload for myself when God designated it for two. And I don't want to abandon my promise for my family because you refuse to see it. I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. And I want to do a a specific altar call. And uh, if you want to come up here 
and you, you, you want to pray and you want to worship with us, um, please, please do for any particular reason. If you want to come up here and, 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 and you need prayer, we're going to pray with you. But, but the, 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 the specific altar call that I have this morning, I want to make it to all, all the marriages. This is for you and your boo. And I'm going to ask that you, you come up here or maybe you're soon to be married or maybe you're dating or whatever it is. I'm going to ask that you come up here and, and you begin to pray. You begin to pray over your family. You begin to pray over your marriage. You, be, you become uh, uh, so close, so connected. You know, the Bible says that when we're married, we become one. We become one. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one. I'm the only one putting in the work. I'm the only one coming to church. I'm the only one praying for my family. I'm the only one having the faith. And if your spouse is here this morning, I'm going to ask that you come forward and I just want you to pray over them. I'm not asking if, if you need prayer. I'm not saying if there's a bunch of spiritual imbalance in your life and, you know, God needs to do a miracle. No, I'm just calling you as a spouse and your other spouse to come up here and just pray together. And if your spouse isn't here this morning, maybe there is a, a spiritual imbalance in your home. I want to tell you, first of all, you are not the only one. I want to, I want to let you know that there are so many people, so many women holding it down. So many men holding it down for their family. But it doesn't mean that it's hopeless. It doesn't mean that it's hopeless. It just means that you're going to have to do a little bit more work. And you can do it. You can do it. I've seen people do it. I've seen, I've seen Diaz do it. Who would come to church Sunday after Sunday by themselves but not failing to pray for their family. I have seen it one by one, them starting to come, the family beginning to come. It is, it's possible. It's just going to take a little bit more work. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you as well. I want us to pray together that there become a, a spiritual balance in your home, man, because man, what God can do with both of you, what God can do with the husband and the wife on the same page. Oh my God, man. You have no idea the greatness that is in store for your family if you can create balance. I'm going to ask that we just start praying over each other. Husbands, pray over your wives. Wives, pray over your husbands. As a worship team, sing something. Yes, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, right now, Father. We thank you right now, Jesus. We pray, Father God, I pray over every family, every home, my God, every marriage, my God, that you stay at the center. You stay at the center, my God, providing wisdom to both, word to both, direction to both, patience to both, faith to both. In Jesus' name, because we are one, Lord. And we need your spirit, Lord, governing our home governing our home in Jesus name and if we are here this morning we are by ourselves my God we pray for that spouse Lord we pray for that spouse my God right now Lord that you begin to do a work in them Father you begin to work things out work things out my God I pray that they may find you my God I pray Father God that that you allow uh, 
you allow me to be the light in my home, Father God. And that light doesn't diminish, Father God. That it may be drawn, may, may be, uh, draw attention to in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's fight for, the, our, for our marriages. Our marriages are constantly under attack. Come on, God. Cover it in the blood of your son, Jesus. Cover my marriage in the blood of your son, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.